Taylor Horton Tucker explodes and shows why every single one of these games is important. And Will Hardy answers your questions left over from Ask LOJ on Lowry and Walker. It's all next on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. And this is your March 13th edition of Locked On Jazz. The Jazz win in Orlando on Thursday and Charlotte on Saturday. And Saturday shows us why every single one of these games matters as Taylor Horton Tucker and Walker Kessler put on a show. And we'll dig into Taylor's performance. On Friday's edition of Locked on Jazz, you asked me about Lowry Markkinen's development and Walker Kessler's development. Interestingly, Will Hardy had answered those questions the night before, so we'll let you hear what Will Hardy has to say on that. Jazz, get ready for the Miami Heat, who play a unique defense that's different than any other in the NBA. We'll dig into that and give you a Trends Monday. It's all coming up. I am David Locke, radio voice of Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. And this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. We are on YouTube, where you can join the Locked on Jazz community and chat with other friends during the show. You can be a part of it. So just subscribe, follow, hit the little bell button on YouTube, and be a part of it here on Locked on Jazz. As I mentioned on Friday, hopefully I'll have more details for you tomorrow. Uh, Locked on is launching new uh, insider subscription programming that uh, is actually all based on texting, where you get ex- uh, special text messages and then one-on-one with our hosts. Um, I'm going to be part of the pilot program. Uh, we'll do a two-week free sample for everyone, and it, that will probably have the details for you to announce tomorrow, but it is in a subscription-based um, post-game reports, insider breakdowns, geeky stats, all the things you kind of usually get from me. Uh, but directly to you in your text inbox, and then also you can come back at me directly one-on-one. So that's coming up for you. Uh, we're launching that on Locked On, and we'll have more details for you. And again, I'll do a 14-day free sample to try to make sure that I can fulfill your needs and also can execute it. So that's exciting um, for you. Excited about this for Locked On. All right, uh, Taylor went bananas. How cool is that? So I've gotten to know Taylor really, really well. Um, I kind of go in the locker room every night and talk to our players and Taylor's the one I probably talk to more than any other. He's kind of always there. He's done with his workouts. We chat about his baby. It's the baby girl. We talk about what it was like to play for the Lakers. We like to talk about what it was like to play with LeBron. We talk about what it's been like to be up and down all year. So on a personal note, it's just a delightful young man who's super young, still 22 and have him go for 37 points, eight rebounds and 10 assists is really a marvelous thing. What he's learning how to do is what his superpowers are. Like, Will talks about this. Like, I think for a while as he was playing point guard and getting this increased role, and he's been, you know, quite frankly, he's been pretty good. Like, since the trade, um, and then that doesn't even count since he was starting. This is just since the trade. Remember, Sexton started for the first part. Since the trade, Taylor's averaging 16 points, four rebounds, six assists, shooting 46% for the field, and he's shooting 36% from three. So, 
What I think Taylor's figuring out is what he can do. Like I, I was talking to Taylor, I was actually talking to Kelly, Taylor, and uh, uh, Ochai before the game the other day. The three of us kind of in a joint, cover, four of us in a joint conversation. Taylor was lamenting his turnovers, and I think a lot of the times what his turnovers have been is him trying to play. And, and there've been a lot, right? There was seven against San Antonio and six against Oklahoma City, and three against OKC again. I think this was conversation was somewhere on the road, so um, it was probably in OKC, but. Um, you know, what I think was happening a lot of times with turnovers is, is Taylor trying to play point guard the way he thinks point guard's supposed to be played. And what we're beginning to see out of Taylor here a little bit more recently in the last three or four games is Taylor playing point guard as Taylor can play point guard. And so he took 13 shots at the rim the other night. There just are not a lot of guys in the NBA that can get to the rim 13 times a game. So Taylor can put his shoulder down, get by you. He's got an incredible first step for a guy his size. And then once he gets by you or gets his shoulder on you, at 6'4", 230 pounds, he's overpowering you. Terry Rozier, as I said on our broadcast, literally looked like he was taking a standing eight count time and time again in that game because he was just simply getting beaten up, overwhelmed, blasted in in every way by the power of Taylor Horton Tucker. And... um. And, you know, it was kind of almost embarrassing to, to watch. They tried to make some switches on it and get rid of that matchup. And then over time, um, it, it, you know, they, they, he just kept, Taylor kept abusing him on his way to 37 points. Um, and, and so that's the first part of this. By the way, I forgot to mention that uh, special thanks to today's show is brought to you in part by Prize Picks. Um, Prize Picks. Uh, where first-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Uh, and, and so what you're seeing with Talon is him kind of developing what I think he has to do, which is be a point guard. I've said this. He's, until he can shoot it better, he has to be have the ball in his hands because in L.A. they just played him a spot-up three, but, you know, three and D guy. But... He's 31%, 28%, 27%, 29% in his four years in the NBA from three. He's a 28% career three-point shooter. Like, if you're a 28% career three-point shooter, one, it's hard to stay in the league, and two, you have to play with the ball in your hands. So the fact he's shooting 36% from three as he gets increased playing time is probably the most important number here because really, honestly, being a 28% three-point shooter is what took Chris Dunn out of the league. Um, and... It, that makes it really, really hard. What the other part is, can he get to the free throw line? And can he use that power and that strength to get to the line? And then the fact that he had 10 assists the other night is he's beginning to see the floor. He has 18 assists in his last two games. He has, you know, he has games since the trade, six, eight, seven, 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 six. Like he's able to go get those assist numbers and dish that out, which shows you he's got vision. It also shows you that he's getting an advantage on plays each and every time, and so when he gets that advantage, then the defense has to collapse, and then he's learning how to make the play out of that. Really impressive performance. Super fun for just a, a, a delightful, nice, great young man, I think, also. Um, and the eight free throws, I think, are really important. He's shooting the three pretty well. He's, you know, four for his last 10. He's, uh, I think, 14 for his last 19, 14 for his last 20. So that's 35%. Um you know, I think if he can find a way to take better three-point shots so this percentage goes up, that would be helpful. He'll never be a Malik Beasley seven, eight, nine threes a game. But he, if he can be a guy who, when he's 
off ball, if he's unguarded, can make the play. That will help him a great deal. Here's a really interesting aspect of what Talon's doing right now. A lot of, you know, Chris Dunn's playing really well, and Chris Dunn's second 10-day contract expires here shortly, and then the Jazz have to decide whether they're signing him for the rest of the year, which I think all of us who've watched it feels like that's probably a reasonable thing to do. There's also been a discussion whether you sign Chris Dunn for the for like a few years here in some sort of a deal. Talon's good play may preclude the Jazz from doing that. I, I haven't talked to anyone. This is just a thought. I'm not sure Talon's your starting point guard next year. But he is showing that he's probably a viable 24 to 30, 24 minute if and minute backup if he continues to shoot it well and show this advantage. And then particularly if you start to think about him playing against second team guys, he could be really, really good. Well, if he's your backup point guard, then you actually have to make a decision whether or not you want a third point guard. And not every team's carrying a third point guard. The two-way players have kind of be, often become the third point guard. We had Trent Forrest kind of in that role the last few years. Um, so teams aren't always carrying a third point guard anymore. And so if you're not certain if you're carrying a third point guard and Taylor Horton Tucker, who's under contract for next year, is playing well enough that you believe he's your can be a backup point guard, and you probably have to go acquire, either via the draft or free agency or trade, a primary point guard next year, then you got to be a little careful of like taking that roster spot for Chris Dunn. So in a weird way, Taylor Horton Tucker playing super well right now might makes the conversation on Chris Dunn actually a little bit more complicated, which is you know, a little unfortunate since Chris Dunn's playing so well, and you'd like to probably reward him uh, for what he's doing there. Walker Kessler had a dynamite game the other night, like a dynamite game. And I want to dig into that. Plus, we'll hear Will Hardy on Lowry Markkinen's development and Walker Kessler's development. You asked, what are the next steps for Lowry's development? Ironically enough, Will had asked that. And I even said in the in the Friday edition of Ask LOJ, like, these are questions that literally I asked Will last night. You guys are so good. So I thought, well, why don't I actually get Will's answers? Because they're better than mine for you. So we'll do that coming up here in a second. Thanks to Cole and our crew here that's on the road with us that uh, pulled the uh, Will Hardy press conference. I do it every night. They do amazing work for us. They make every my show better. They make all of our work better. They make our broadcast better. I'm so thankful uh, to all the work they put out. We got a lot of people here. They're working on some great stuff uh, right now. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what they're working, but a bunch of people really working hard on this trip, and it's neat to see. All right, uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also located in Logan. The Chevy lineup of trucks, it's Chevy, it's Americana, it just doesn't get any better than that. Uh, the Colorado, the Silverado, the two trucks, the Silverado, when I've driven, it feels like you're driving a lazy boy, sitting in a lazy boy chair, riding above the world just with all the power in the world. The Colorado's the smaller, zippier, fun truck for you and the SUV lineup of Chevy is legendary the Tahoe and the Suburban kick off the top level the Blazer and the Trailblazer along with the tracks do all sorts of great things for you and the new Bolt is the uh, electric car that has everybody talking it's all at Murdoch Chevy located in Woods Cross and in Logan the Murdoch's over 80 years in Utah to serve you with a no regrets policy if you're going to stop by either location please email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com so that we can take care of you at dlock09 at gmail. Dot com. Today's show is also brought to you by Price Picks, with a 100% deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKED ON. 
Go to take advantage of the great fun you can have with prize picks as your daily fantasy game. Pick two to six players. If they go, they will go score more or less than prize picks projections. You can win up to 25% of your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport, any sport, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, college basketball, women's college basketball. Congratulations to you for the youths for their number two seed. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's easy, safe, and fast. Withdrawals currently operational in 30 states in Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKDOWN. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKDOWN for an instant deposit match up to $100. So, Walker Kessler had has had some monster plays. Uh, the two offensive rebounds in Orlando, uh, taking advantage of Wendell Carter Jr. being out, um, were monsters. Then in Charlotte, he dominated the rim at a crazy level. Charlotte shot 11 of 27 in the restricted area of that game. Teams were 7 of 8. They were 7 of 18. When Walker uh, was the closest defender, Walker, and this is I actually this is actually which leads to the the answer here from Will Hardy in a moment. Walker's putting up some crazy numbers, so let's dig into them for a second and let's look at them both. You know, the Jazz, Will Hardy and the crew did a wonderful job of giving Walker a kind of a, a soft landing to start the year before he really hit the starting lineup on January 10th on the 41st game of the season. But let's look at defensive dashboard on NBA.com. You can do this as well inside six feet and we'll set the filter at defending at least the equal to or greater than five shots a game. When you do that, the guys that walk are, Jaron Jackson's the best in the NBA. He defends 6.4 shots inside six feet. And opponents shoot 14.2 percentage points below league average. So they shoot 49.7% when Jaron Jackson's the closest defender. There's a d- deeper dive I did with somebody in the NBA last night. Uh, I, I know. It was a Sunday night in Miami, and I'm doing deep dives on NBA stats. Uh, Draymond Green is second at minus 13.5. Daniel Gafford is fourth at minus 12.7. And Walker Kessler is fourth. Daniel Gafford's third. Walker Kessler's fourth at minus 12.5. Interesting, Lowry's next, by the way. Then Brooke Lopez, Steven Adams, Chris Depps, Brzingis, Zubak, Zach Collins, and then Rudy Gobert. These are the best defenders in the league. Walker Kessler is the fourth best rim defender in the NBA right now. Now, some of that's because he went up against second-tier guys. So let's go to January 10th when Walker became the starter. And this is then only against the best guys in the league. And how does this impact Walker's number of, of where he is? And the answer 
is that in that time period, Brooke Lopez is number one. Jaron Jackson is number two. Xavier Tillman at Memphis is three, which is super interesting because he's short. Four is Daniel Gafford, and five is Walker Kessler. It didn't. It didn't impact it. It's minus 13. It's just as good. It's really a crazy sign that this kid at this stage is doing these things. So let's start there with Will Hardy, if we can. Um, Because that's the question I asked Will Hardy is, like, does this surprise you at all that Walker's doing this? And after Will first said to me, please, whatever you do, don't tell Walker that this is the case. Uh, Here's what Will had to say. He does it with both hands. I think I've I've said that multiple times this year. He just doesn't reach across his body, and it keeps him out of um, fouling unnecessarily. He obviously, you know, those of you guys that have been around him, like he is has real size. Like his frame is big. His body's a little bit young um, in terms of like a strength component right now. But that's something that he's working on. Um, You know, he's only 22 years old now, so he's got a lot of years to, to grow into the frame but his instincts around the rim uh, blocking shots with both hands is spectacular um, I know that I've made a lot of jokes this year about how I am always on Walker and then I come back to the locker room and end up looking at the stat sheet and watching the film and going like my god like I am a crazy person he's unreal um, like why am I complaining all the time but it's because I expect a lot from him um, similar to the conversation about Lowry like you know our goal is for Walker to be somebody you can build a defense around. And his stats have been good to date. Um, I don't think he's there yet. Like he's still in his first year in the NBA. And so there's a lot of room for growth with Walker as well. And that's on us as a staff and on him. Like we need to continue to try to add some versatility defensively um, and not have him just do one thing over and over again. I think we've made it a point early in this year to try to give him some consistency of coverage so that he gets used to it and can try to have a fastball, so to speak. Um, and now we need to try to expand that some and put him on some different matchups and do some different coverages with him um, to try to help him grow. But the statistical part is, you know, it's crazy when you say that because those are obviously elite defenders um, in that company. Uh I wish Walker didn't have to defend so many shots at the rim. I think we can do a better job guarding the ball on the perimeter to not just have him, you know, have the ball coming downhill at him the entire game. But he's handled himself great. So what's interesting about what Will's saying there is then later that night, they turned around and did exactly that, which was that they had him guard Markel Fultz that night, which was a really different defensive approach than what they had done at any other point all year um, with him with him defending. So he went and guarded a guard. That was that was Will, you know, kind of almost te- giving us the teaser of what they planned to do with him and showing his versatility. They didn't against Charlotte. He just stood at the rim. There wasn't a player. But we're beginning to see them use Walker in different ways, switching. If there's a non-outside shooting wing, he's guarding him so he can stay at the rim more often. Uh, we're seeing that type of versatility. I don't know that Miami has that player um, tonight, but I wouldn't be. You'll see him get switched on Jimmy Butler tonight because Miami will run Bam out of Bayou um, 
Jimmy Butler pick and rolls. Bam out of Bayou is going to be a heck of a challenge for Walker tonight. It's going to be really interesting to see. The other one that was asked was about Lowry and Lowry's development. This is a longer answer, but you guys asked this, and then Will, uh, I had actually asked Will about it. So this was in response to the first question I asked was uh, about how, or the first question on the tape here, is about Lowry's low dribble and how he got better. I then actually got to have a really cool conversation with Lowry on Friday about this, and it was really interesting to hear Lowry talk about that. I don't actually, I work on these things, but I don't think about them, Um, which was an interesting perspective in my conversation with him. And then we talked about his go-to moves and some things like that I'll share over time. I've had a really great trip in regards to reporting. Um, So I'll have a lot of tidbits about little personality things with guys and how they see the game and some things like that. Uh, over the next week uh, for you. So that was a um, – so that here, here's what Will said about Lowry. This is – there's a follow-up to it. I'm going to keep it in. Um, and it's really interesting about just kind of where and what are Lowry's next steps as the go-to guy and how much it will kind of see a lot of this off the court as much as he does on the court. So here is, here is that in our old-school uh, manner of letting you hear it. Tremendously, just from like a skill set standpoint as well. Um, obviously, he's he's seven feet tall, um, and he understands that if he's going to drive the ball, especially if he's not catching it on the move um, early in the season, we tried to make really make it a point that almost all of his catches were on the move where he already had momentum, and now we're trying to put him in some spots where sometimes he's catching the ball at a standstill. And then you have to create your own momentum. And to do that as a taller player, he does have to get really low. So um, he works on it every day. Uh, He's had some moments like that where it hasn't gone his way. And sometimes the game, you know, is the best teacher. Having some failure in there is not always bad. And he's, he's tried to learn from those moments. And I think he's, Like, that's why it's exciting because I don't, I don't 
know if we're even close to the ceiling yet, um, which is great for us in Utah. Not sure we're close to the ceiling yet on Lowry Market. Thanks for dealing with the audio issues there. I'm sure I, you just kind of had to do a bunch, turn things up, and then I blasted you, so apologize for that. Uh, well, awesome. That is quite the awesome comment that uh, you're not even sure where his ceiling is yet and uh, for where Lowry is. And that's if you go back to points gained on Friday, that's a guy who was, what, fourth best in the NBA in impacting games on the offensive end. Uh, pretty awesome. A unique note about the Miami Heat that will impact tonight's game and how you probably watch it and listen to it, plus our trends Monday. Denver Nuggets trends aren't good. What's going on? We'll look at all of those as we continue here on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. What do the people at Built have up their sleeve today? The Mint Brownie Puff is still available for you with 17 grams of protein, 140 calories, and 6 Grams of sugar, the brand new mint brownie puff is there for you. The brownie batter puff, coconut marshmallow puff, all available. The new double chocolate improved flavor still up on the site. You can get all of those at built.com with the promo code locked on 15 to get 15% off. But now you can also get your built bars right away at Sam's Club or at Walgreens. The 13 pack is available for you at Sam's Club. And the four-pack available for you at Walmart. I think I said Walgreens. Probably there, too. It's been all over the place. We're getting pictures all across the country of Built now in various stores. Congratulations to Built and their growth. You can all get it with the amazing 100% real chocolate outside, the 17 grams of protein, the 140 calories, and just 6 grams of sugar. It is Built, available at Built.com, at Sam's Clubs, and at Walmart. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, Locked on NBA Big Board. Rafael Barlow leading the way as we get ready for the draft. Go grab that and all the fun with it. All right, here's a little note for you on tonight's Miami Heat game. This is like a perfect little subtext note in our new texting format thing uh, thing we'll have for you that I'll share with you guys. Uh, and for those of you that are subscribers, this would be a good little note. And I guess I'll share it with you here today. Um so Miami plays zone 22% of the time. There's only one other team in the NBA that plays zone over 10% of the time, and that's Portland. Portland plays at 15% of the time. Teams are only shooting 43% this year against Miami's zone. They're still forcing turnovers, 13% of all possessions. And teams average .94 points per 100 possessions against Miami's zone. So... The league average on a half-court possession is about .98. And they're holding teams to .94 in zone, and they're in zone one-fifth of the time. It's a really interesting kind of little note to keep an eye on uh, for tonight's game because I think uh, that's gonna, that'll probably be the real challenge for the Jazz in this game is whether or not they can handle that. All right, let's go to our trends Monday. Who are Who is the hottest team in the NBA over the last 10 games? The team with the best differentials are Phoenix and Milwaukee, both at 8.4, followed by Philadelphia at 6.3, Chicago, New York, and then Sacramento. Little, they're all over five. A little surprised to see Chicago in there. The best offensive team over the last 10 games is Sacramento at a credible 125.1. Philadelphia's two, Indiana's three, Atlanta under Quinn, 
is four. He's got that offense churning. They play Minnesota tonight, by the way. That's Quinn Snyder versus Rudy Gobert tonight. Fascinating. Uh, five is Dallas with Kyrie, and then Phoenix uh, had enough to rant that they're number six. Teams that really can't score right now are Detroit, San Antonio, Charlotte, the Pelicans, despite their blowout of Portland last night, Toronto, and Brooklyn. Uh, boy, Toronto just still struggling to score all year. Minnesota's still 24th. Miami's 23rd recently. Teams are playing the best defense in the NBA. The number one defensive team in the NBA over the last 10 games is the L.A. Lakers. They lost last night. Charlotte, Memphis, Milwaukee, Golden State's plugged in, and Phoenix. And the teams that are not defending are Houston, Portland, Indiana, Dallas, Sacramento, and Atlanta under Quinn Snyder over the last 10 games. Let's go look at our most recent trends over the last two weeks, which was not good last time we looked at it. Should be, should be fine now um, as we now have two weeks of action since the All-Star break. That was not a great note. The t- top teams, Phoenix's non-blowout minutes over the last short period of time, two weeks. Phoenix, Philly, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Golden State. Wow, that would lead you to believe playoff teams are amping it up. Sacramento's sixth in that. So the six teams playing the best are Phoenix, Philly, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Golden State, and Sacramento. Teams that are struggling the most, Portland's the worst team over the last uh, stretch. Detroit, Houston, Washington, San Antonio, and Miami. Has Portland hit the tank, or did Dame just get hurt? Uh, Philadelphia is the number one offense, followed by Phoenix, Sacramento, Indiana, Atlanta again, and Milwaukee. The teams that are not scoring are Charlotte, Detroit, San Antonio, Portland, Toronto, and Utah. We're 25th in the league offensively over the last two weeks. Uh, We're actually really interesting. We've kind of done exactly what I said we were going to do during a previous show. We're 19th in the league offensively, 19th in the league defensively. We've been 500. Number one defense over the last two weeks is Cleveland, Golden State, Charlotte, L.A., San Antonio. So similar, but the Spurs in there are surprising. And Brooklyn is sixth. Talking to Igor this weekend, and he was saying how much they like that team and are having a good time with it. Portland, Houston, Indiana, Dallas, Sacramento, and Miami are the teams not defending. Super surprised to see Miami, and they're not having a very good defensive stretch. So those are your trends Monday. That wraps up the show. Thanks very much for tuning in. Apologize, no graphics today. Something was up with our system uh, for you. And uh, I'll have more details on the new texting exclusive insider for you uh, connection, one-on-one connection with me if you are interested. Uh, and coming up for you later this week, maybe even tomorrow. And Ron and I will be with you for an afternoon drive home starting at 5.30 with the ball game for you as the Jazz take on the Miami Heat. And you can just tell everybody about the Heat's zone defense 22% of the time that you only know because you listen to the show. Have a great time. It is Locked on Jazz, your team every day.